0: One of the hallmarks of a beginning songwriter is it being too wordy of trying to use words that you would never use in everyday conversation. I live in Nashville. I'm writing songs every day. With today being the exception, it's Friday and it's summer. So we're always like, when we're stuck, we're like, just how would I say this naturally? How would I normally say this? And that really informed the dialogue in the book. And it came really easy because I already know because of songwriting, just talk how you would talk. When you think that, and you put yourself in that scene that you're writing, then it just really comes easy and it just flows. Yeah, so, you know, economy of words, keeping it simple has served me well.
1: Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about.
2: Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered what it's like to write a song? And if so, have you ever considered the similarities that writing a song might have to writing a book? Well, whether you have or you haven't, I have with us today a very special guest, Kevin Griffin. Now, Kevin Griffin is an award-winning songwriter, producer, and performer whose songs have been sold in excess of 80 million copies and have been streamed over a billion times. If his name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because he is best known as the singer and founding member of the platinum-selling rock band Better Than Ezra. He has written numerous number one songs and has had songs performed by artists such as Taylor Swift, Train, Sugarland, Land, uh, Christina Perry, Hunter Hayes, James Blunt, and many more. He is co-founder and partner in Pilgrimage Music and Cultural Festival, located in Franklin, Tennessee. And he has served as a writer in residence at NYU's Clive Davis School of Music. Now Kevin lectures internationally on creativity to groups and companies ranging from Live Nation, Google, Spotify, and Disney, all the way to the athletic world of Nike, uh, as well as the executive world of YPO and WPO and Salesforce. In his book, The Greatest Song, Spark creativity, ignite your career, and transform your life. Griffin uses a fictional narrative to share ideas that can be used by anyone, anywhere, to transform their career and their life. And it is with great pleasure that I turn uh, your attention over to my conversation with Kevin. Enjoy. Kevin, welcome to the Author's Corner.
0: I am so excited to be joining you today in the corner. And it's a beautiful, it's a very warm corner. Um, it's comfortable. There's a of uh there's a throw rug here, there's a futon, there's a poof. Um, it's a yes. very cozy little corner.
2: Great. Well, we want it to be cozy and comfy for everybody. So that's that's terrific. And you know, I've been so excited to have you on because I'm also a musician and I've done some songwriting myself and, you know, nothing at your level. I mean, let's be real, but, (laughs) but, you know, I was,
0: it is, but you know, you just, it hasn't been heard.
2: Well, there you go. I like that. Thank you for that. But you know, the, the thing that um, I was thinking about, because obviously our podcast, we like to talk about process and really help our listeners get glimpses into the process of being an author. And I was thinking about your book and, and I was thinking about songwriting And the first thing that occurred to me that I really wanted to ask you is, what about your experience as a songwriter? How did that influence your experience writing your book?
0: It was pivotal, really. And songwriting has informed so many things I've done in my life because I got to have the experience of learning that something that was so silly and so ephemeral at least that's the initial impression as a song you know whether it was a, a big song for me a song called good better than as or something as silly as wa you know at that you know Wah-uh, it was good sitting in my bedroom playing on an acoustic that that little idea could turn into a song could turn into a song of my band play could turn into a recording could turn into a release could turn into a single could turn into a video could turn into tours and and a career and so I and over and over again in my life, Three minute, three and a half little minute, little novels, songs have shown me that any idea I have, if I just finish it, that it has the potential of doing something so i just knew that with the book and we all know how daunting a book can be just finishing it and 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 i'd love to talk about just you know the tools i use or some of the practices i use to finish it that i could finish it and then just like just finish kevin just finish you know how to get it to where you need to just finish you've done it before so a song the song was it was pivotal you know for me
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah. I, I think one thing that occurred to me I wanted to run by you too, because I think that one of the beautiful things about songwriting, sometimes challenging things, is that you really have to use an economy of words, right? You've got to get a you gotta get across a real story often, right? And you don't get you don't have pages and pages. Uh me. To get that across in a song.
0: Exactly. You know, I, I'm a believer in, you know, getting rid of things that are superfluous. Mm-hmm. The more you write songs, the more you understand the power of economy of words and keeping it simple. Yeah. One of the greatest yeah. examples of that is Tom Petty. Say what mm, you need right? to say in the least amount of words as possible. And quality and value and worth and economy of words and being expedient are not mutually exclusive ideas. Those things can coexist, you know, and and I certainly use that in my song. I love narratives. I love being able to tell a story within three and a half minutes. And then what I decided to do with this book, being a business parable by design, I was like, oh, I like this form. Um, I can use, um, I can do a narrative, but this world I'm entering into economy of words and brevity is kind of an asset.
2: I think it really is. Cause there's, there's, there can be a temptation when writing a book to get overly wordy because you, you know, you might even be afraid you won't be able to write enough. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Oh, well, so, that's always the fear. I think.
2: That's always the fear. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Yeah. So I'm often finding myself trimming down my client's words, but I was thinking yeah. this probably was came more naturally to you.
0: You know, so often one of the hallmarks of a beginning songwriter is it being too wordy of mm-hmm. trying to use words that you would never use in everyday conversation. I live in Nashville. I'm writing songs every day, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: with today being the exception, it's Friday and it's summer. So we're always like, when we're stuck, we're like, just how would I say this naturally? How would I normally say this? And that really informed the dialogue in the book. And it came really easy because I already know because of songwriting, Mm -hmm. just talk how you would talk. Right. When you think that and you put yourself in that scene that you're writing, then it just really comes easy. Yeah. And it just flows. Yeah. So, you know, economy of words, keeping it simple has served me well.
2: I'm going to help our listeners out a little bit here because in, in your book, The Greatest Song, uh, and you use this parable of this songwriter who's hit kind of a slowdown in his career and wants to reboot and, and do something bigger and write the greatest song. And you have the method, right? That right. you use the parable to unpack and unfold. So, another question that I would love to explore with you is Did you use the method in writing your book?
0: The answer is yes. The genesis of the book is, you know, about six years ago, I was approached by a friend and I talk about this in the book, in the introduction, I was approached to do a speech to a group of entrepreneurs um, in Dallas and they, and they, this group had hired Malcolm Gladwell and big speakers. And as the speech, uh, and of course, when I was a- I was asked to do it, I was like, immediately, I was, I was like, yes, because I always, I live in the world of yes, that always, that's one of the things that serves me well, I, let's figure out how to do it after the fact, but let's get the ball right. rolling. <laughs> I don't want to ever define myself as the kind of person who loves to say why it won't work or what the problems will be right when they first hear the idea. And we know those types, you know, and I'm always like, and hey, don't yeah. be that, don't be that person. Uh, so I'm I was right. like, yes, <laughs> so a few months went by. And uh, and then I realized, oh, I need to talk about, what am I going to talk about? These people are very astute men and women who are very successful. They're successful companies, entrepreneurs. And then I realized as I was woodshedding that while there are these tools, these steps, these things that I've had to learn that over the course of my career and I came up with these five things and that became the foundation for the speech I would do. And it was a story arc of my career and these tools and I peppered with hit songs that illustrate these different tools. A few years ago, you know, I, I, I was an English major at Louisiana State University. I was a, I'm just a voracious reader my whole life. And so I'd written I'd written a book. At the end of, well, around 2001, I finished it. It was being edited. It was fiction. And it was being edited by a woman, uh, Amanda Boyden, a great writer. Dirty Pretty Things was a very cool novel she put out. Mm, uh, yeah. uh, and then mm-hmm. then the book, uh, well, the movie, The Hangover came out. And it was a much oh, yeah. better version of my <laughs>
2: my story was a little bit discouraged
0: but like i was say uh but 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 the point was that i was I, i'd always written you know um short stories and and songs and uh so about four years ago i was asked you know i was doing these speeches everywhere my, my agent was like you know you would go to the next level as a speaker if you had a book right And so that began me thinking of like, how do I put this speech and what I'm talking about that resonates with people? How do I do it to where it's not prosaic and boring? Because I don't like that, you know, a how-to manual. And I really gravitated towards, uh, in that world, to business parables. Going back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Who Moved My Cheese, The Mm, mm Go-Giver, and all those. And quite frankly, I looked at those books and I was like, wait a second, Who Moved My Cheese is 51 pages cover to cover? And it sold right. at the time 14.1 million copies. Who knows the veracity of that? But
2: yeah, right. Uh, and I was like,
0: yeah, I'm yeah. doing that. You know, and then yeah. look, I've done this. It's <laughs> a great tool. Here's like I like and when I talk to young writers and songwriters and even I like just kind of busting the myth that it's this hallowed ground you're entering into, whether it's mm-hmm. songwriting or writing, you know. Just write, mm-hmm. and uh, when I learn anything, I like taking something I like and like. Ooh, I'm going to use that structure. I did that with my first novel. I, I mm-hmm. used Graham Greene's book. Uh, it was a Booker Prize-winning a novel called Last Orders, and I was like, I love this structure. I'm going to use this type of structure uh-huh. with characters, and it was a really, it was a really great tool as I wrote the book. How did he do it? He's a Booker Prize award winner. Oh, he comes back to this character here. So I did that. So with um <laughs> my book, I really studied these business parables like, "Oh, this is the form. This is what they do." Uh-huh. And that really yeah. gave me a framework to not just follow my face. Like these are successful mm-hmm. structures on how to do this. And that and and I I kind of began that way with um Yeah, that's writing the book.
2: That's a great way to begin.
0: I think a lot, I think I meandered off your original question. <laughs>
2: no, you did well. Well, we, it's okay. We're not too far off. But um, but really, there's even a book out that uh, by Francine Prose, and I know what a, what a name to write for somebody's writing about writing. Oh my
0: gosh, that's a high bar,
2: right? I mean, that's <laughs> but she has a book called How to Read Like a Writer, and hmm. that's basically what she's talking about is look at books that you like, look at how how they're structured and ask yourself, what did the author do here? How did they do this? And so you did that naturally. So that's, that it's, it's actually a great strategy.
0: So to now I'm realizing, so to answer your question, one of the things I talk about in the book is changing your attitude. Um, and it's using attitude, how it's used in aviation and, and attitude in aviation when you're in a plane is your orientation to the ground, not your height, which is Altitude, altitude, but orientation, right, right. specifically when you're landing a plane, your angle of approach to land it, how are you going to stick the landing? Mm-hmm. So often we're always looking at different ways on how do we finish this book? How do I finish the song? My usual angle of approach is this for if playing guitar. I sit down on my guitar, but often that angle of approach isn't working. Um, I talk about that in the book. And one one of the things is reverse engineering a great idea. Take, uh, just like you just said, Miss Prose uses, you know, uh, read like a writer, you know, so I take a great song, I take a great book, and I look at like, what are the hallmarks that make this great? What am I digging about it? Oh, let's just, let's start breaking mm-hmm. it apart. And I really, I'm in the outline of, you know, different books. I've done that before. So that's one of the things I do. And then another thing in the book I talk about is filling the well, which is, is knowing the business of your business. It's surprising how many people I know in songwriting who complain about not getting cuts and thinking all the new books out there, all the new songs rather, you know, are lame. Then I'm like, well, who's in the top 10 right now? What are you trying to write country? Okay. Who's in the top 10? I don't know. It all sucks. Okay. Who are the, Uh, who are the, (laughs) who's. You know, and I, they real, and I realize they don't know what's happening in their in the business. You can't compete if you don't know what you're competing against. So I That's always, with writing the book, I was just like educating myself about the nuts and bolts mm-hmm. of the business and knowing where people, you know, because there's so many. In Nashville, there are a thousand great songs written a day, and there are a thousand great books started, mm-hmm. maybe finished. It, you know, I don't know about that, but a lot. You know, but that what, mm-hmm. uh, so how do you get that great idea and take it to the finish line? And that's something I talk about in the book. And, and so I, all the time, now that the book's finished, I catch myself, I'm like, you're not even paying attention to what you wrote. Why don't you listen to what, you, to what you talk about, <laughs> the, the practices, you know, in the method. And those are things right. that really... My aha, the epiphany about writing the book was when I realized like, oh, I'm taking ideas and concepts that are they're all out there, but I'm putting it in, into the world of music and um, a story based in with a, a character. And, and I realized starting doing those speeches that people love to hear about the world of music and songwriting and artists and pulling the curtain back. And that was really like, a, oh, I could talk about these ideas, couch them in the story of a songwriter, and it'd be compelling to people and unique. And uh, that was really the fire that that got lit under me. And then also, just while I'm thinking about it, because uh, because look, this is about authors are listening to this. One one great use tool yes, for me yes. was, you know, I used I used Scrivener to write the book. Uh, that oh, was okay. the software yeah. I used. And I always like that, you know, there's a pull-down menu that just says uh, progress, daily progress. I was that person in the coffee shop with my laptop, and I would say, I'm going to write 500 words. And I'd just sit down and start writing. And then then every once in a while, I'd go to that pull-down menu, and it would say 375 and I just yep. continue writing. Sometimes I would right. struggle to get Sometimes I would say, I'm writing 250 words. Right. Sometimes <laughs> and not, I would just, I would look up and it'd be 1800 words. Right. And I was like,
2: yeah. I'm done, There you go. You yeah. know? And then the next yeah. day I'd
0: come back and spend those first 30 minutes reading what I wrote, tweaking it, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was just like anybody else. Like, oh, I would I would be really diligent working every day. Then I would go three months without working a day on the Mm. book, you know? Um, Right,
2: right. (laughs) But again, going back
0: to that initial, your question, it's just knowing that if I just don't quit, that I'll finish. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. examples of that were all around me.
2: Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I don't know about three-month breaks, but... uh,
0: (laughs) No, I hated it. I would go on tour and just like... Right, right. It it, it was not by design. It was just just like...
2: but I do think that there's something else that happens, and this is this is my big beef with with the you know write a book in 90 days or write a book in a weekend kind right. of uh, approach, because I believe there's a sort of a crock pot element to writing right. where you know you get to a certain point in the work and maybe you just need to let it simmer a, a minute, you know maybe you just need to take a week or two and just let let it spin around in your head and go for some walks and you know or even just even if it's just one day but right just to let it simmer because I think a lot of times did you ever have that experience where something like you had a big realization after a, a break?
0: Oh absolutely you know even if I wasn't actually writing, the plot the, the everything was developing in the background and as we all know right there's a <laughs> lot more astute intelligent, set of scenes and a blocking happening in the subconscious and so a exactly. lot of things that were bugging me or being kind of a um, impediment to me finishing or, or just being happy with the scene were getting solved um and then when i would it's just like if you're doing wordle and you, right. you start your wordle <laughs> that morning and you're like i am oh my god it's happening my brain's going i can't right. i can't figure this out and then my then i'm just like put it down because if you don't have you one more it. guess when you, if you don't then you force it and you do something stupid like put the wrong letter in the same spot twice but when right. i take a break and i come back isn't it amazing i just see it yeah. with a whole new set of eyes and it's yeah. and what was what was elusive suddenly is obvious and like oh my right? god it was oh yeah. my
2: gosh i so, love so, that you're a wordle guy I, oh I, my, <laughs> yes
1: i'm a mad wordle
0: person um I'm in this, I'm in this really competitive group. It's called NERDLE, like eight of us. Oh, and we have a scoring awesome. system and the, and the, Ooh. and the monthly winner gets uh, a $25 Starbucks gift card.
2: Very nice. Yes. <laughs> so, That's good motivation. But,
0: but, but there's, there's a power in stopping and, you know, um, and then look, it's one of the things I talk about in the book, just just sometimes just to take a break and let things simmer No one to say, I'm banging my head against it, and let that subconscious editor do the work and you come back to it. And then maybe something's happened in your life that informs where it's going to go.
2: Yep. For sure. So true. So true. Yeah, that's, that's, those are great insights. Now, I have to ask you, um, because I love, I love practice five. I know I'm jumping ahead, but I love practice five. Dare Dare to be 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 stupid. So can you elaborate on that for us, please?
0: yeah you know there was a ted talk that i saw once by a guy a man who's passed away i think a few years a couple years ago he wasn't very old his name was sir kenneth robinson he was a british educator and he had one of the most success one of those viewed ted talks and he was a, a great educator and he referenced the picasso quote that we're all born artists but the challenge is how do we stay artists as we grow older that mm. that it's so key to maintain that sense of wonder and that regarding the life and the world around you as magical and thinking, and it's specifically creating an environment in, in education, but for me in songwriting or, and then in business of creating an environment where big ideas are encouraged and failure isn't stigmatized. Um, and he has a quote that says that you'll never come up with anything truly groundbreaking unless you're prepared to fail. And the most successful songwriters in my business are ones who have no filter at all. And they just, they put, they throw in the session that have happened, it's happened right here in this, in this room, they just throw, they're not worried about what you're going to think. They're just throwing crazy ideas out. They don't second guess themselves. They don't preface what they're going to say with, I know this might sound stupid, but they just throw it out there. And they're the most successful people Mm -hmm. in my business. So I yeah. always try to emulate that. I always want to just, you know, dare to look stupid, you know, and, and yeah. create an environment in work and life where you can be yourself and ha- take that filter off and throw that crazy idea for that song or that book or that lyric out there. And I'm always, time and time again, I'm always rewarded for that idea. The worst is when you're in a so- songwriting session or something and you have this idea and you don't say it because you're second guessing yourself and someone else does
2: right you know,
0: <laughs> you know what i mean and you're like
2: oh right. that was mine and, and, and then so, you can't be the jerk that's like i thought of that. I know, you just, you just
0: that you just have to shut up and just take your medicine you
2: to take, take but your medicine, but you know right. so
0: there's a great songwriter's name's jt um harding and he just has no filter he's so silly and a lot of the ideas suck they're mm-hmm. they are stupid yeah. dare to but he just can keep, continues throwing them out there. And, you know, that's something that in the book, I thought it would be a great, uh, it would be really uh, powerful that if the, one of the main characters, Sir Daniel Smith Daniels, I do yeah. voice all the characters in the audible version of the book, by oh, the way.
2: Oh, well, and there's a soundtrack. I have to go, I have the, to go back and buy the audible now.
0: Um, I, well, you I, know, I bought just,
2: the Kindle, did, but okay. Just do the sample, just do the sample.
0: <laughs> um, but I do a lot of voices. They're the mute, the songs that are talked about that are f- uh, fictional. We actually wrote, and, oh, and there's a the soundtrack of the book, and, and the songs are in the audible. Um, but I had Sir Daniel Smith Daniels, and that was a little bit a tip of the hat to the movie St- Spinal Tap, just a, a kind of a silly British name, <laughs> Daniel Smith Daniels. Um, but he is a genius. He, he. He's 28. He was knighted at 26. He came up with a groundbreaking formula, a supply chain algorithm formula that solved distribution problems in third world countries. And that's how why he gets knighted. But his true love, uh, he makes his money because of that, but his true love is, is music. And so he illustrates at the end of the book the fifth idea, Dare to be Stupid, by referencing this massive equation that's on the end of this this home gym gymnasium he has and it's it's akin to like a beautiful mind and it's the idea that you know I love things but I love saying not mutually exclusive that brilliance and and genius um and being silly when those come together you know that's when you catch lightning in a bottle and that's what you know sir you know the 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 question why not you know Mm -hmm. it's impossible until it isn't it's right. stupid <laughs> until it isn't. It's yeah. poppycock until, you know, and, and it goes all through history, you know, Galileo, everybody who said it's this. And I'm like, you're a fool. That's ridiculous. You know, so that's there yeah. to be stupid.
2: I couldn't help but think about the Beatles, right? And how many really just silly songs oh. that they wrote. <laughs> you know, obla oh di obla oh da.
0: Obla di obla da, you know.
2: It, it, I, you know, yeah. But I mean, and, and there's, there's so many. Work
0: how they work together um and when you saw yeah. if you saw the get back video uh, right Peter Jackson did look we, we will derail this whole podcast by talking
2: about right. yeah yeah get
0: back because there's so we won't many, go
2: to, I know there's so many jewels in there
0: right? so many, so many th- things to talk about uh but but those guys were amazing and they had great collaboration you know a great mm-hmm. example was you know of how they worked and they've really much pretty much wrote those songs, Lennon and McCartney on their own. And then the other one would add that little bit of spice that would make it a Beatles song. And, you know, yeah. one was a McCartney song, you know, it's getting better all the time. Yes. Better, better. And then Lennon went, it couldn't get much worse. You right, know, exactly. that, was his con- <laughs> that was his contribution to that song.
2: So uh, it, it, the it made the song tolerable though. Because, right? <laughs>
1: because, mine-
2: I mean, I think, yeah, I think that like they, they totally balanced each other out that way because mm-hmm. Lennon always had that edge and Paul always had that Yeah, you know.
0: And one yeah. wasn't better than the other and you know, mm-hmm. my whole career has been built on silly little things like wah, you know, or right. or something like stuck like glue, you know, uh oh, uh oh, stuck like glue or yeah. collide, you know, do 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 I mean my barometer, one of the things I do with, with songs is it was great when my kids were young, but if a toddler, if a child that can't speak reacts to your music positively, oh, yes. it's just this visceral thing. They bob their head, they move, then you know you're doing something right. So when you, when you have a visceral reaction, you know,
2: yeah. you're cooking with That's gas. That's a great, that is a great barometer, actually. Yeah, because I remember they have my no... dad singing Mellow Yellow to me, and I, I really dug that as a kid. Oh, yeah. That, it, <laughs>
0: <laughs> because your child has no filter you know right. <laughs> has no filter. Um, and uh, and so yeah the dare to be stupid is mm-hmm. it's my manifesto Robin
2: yes good good I, yeah and I, I do think that that's so important for any creation right that you've got to let go of the of the rail you know
0: absolutely you know the book was really about how do you continue to evolve creatively to where you're open to catching that great idea. You have to seek inspiration and it can't be passive. It has to have intent. So this book was me like, "Hey, this is what works for me in these five different ways." And, and I and I realized that and it's not just in business and creatively. If you do these things, wow, my personal life got a lot better too. You know, when I listened, oh, I didn't so try that. to control the situation when I changed my approach to this interpersonal relationship. When I dared to be silly, when I practiced contrary action, when my initial reaction was like, I don't feel like going hiking this morning. You know, if I just turn that inner voice off. So that's really what I wanted to do with the book.
2: Hi there, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book with a real book publishing deal behind it that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach. In case you're new to the Author's Corner, my name is Robin Colucci, and I help world-class experts write world-changing books and get them published. With over 30 years in the publishing industry, I've helped clients write and publish books with Big Five and other top publishing houses. Many have gone on to become New York Times, Amazon, and Wall Street Journal, as well as USA Today bestsellers, and others have increased their business income by 600 times or more as a result of their book being out in the world and the partnering work that they did with me and my team. If you are a top-notch expert who is ready to write your world-changing book, go ahead and book a free consultation call with my team today. We have a limited number of spots available and we only take clients who are committed to the process and want to get their book started now. If that sounds like you, go to www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Go ahead and fill out the application form to be considered for one of our exclusive spots. Again, the link is ww.robincalucci.com forward slash application. Now, back to the show.
0: One of the things, um, uh, you know, just knowing that life-changing idea, that song, that book, that business idea, it's always out there. I talk about with um, changing your attitude. There was a, a song that we couldn't finish a song, and I just stuck at it. And we change our attitude our, our approach we reverse engineered a song we loved we used we ended up using this plugin called autotune that you sing into and it oh, yeah. changes everything you you sing and we ended up getting a hit song out of it and I, i'm a person who doesn't uh, like those platitudes like you know like those posters you see in offices of a, of a of a kitten hanging onto a, a right. pull-up bar hanging right. there yes you know in right. soft focus or a baseball player with his right. foot on the base that says you can't steal second with your foot on first but i really <laughs> I, I printed up in nice helvetica you know like 22 point that the song is always there and oh, i and i, I cut that. it and i taped it to the bottom of my monitor that, that that song is always in there mm-hmm. is always in the room are you going to be attuned and open to finding it. And that was my goal with the book was like, hey, these things work. Mm-hmm. I'm taking great ideas. As you know, truths and wisdom, that it, it's shared with so many, there's so many different ways to be exposed to it. And, and I just packaged it in the story of the songwriter.
2: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what's so wonderful about writing books, right? I mean, think of how many books are there on health and fitness or nutrition or dating yeah. and relationships. And fundamentally they're, They're sharing very similar concepts, but, but the framing doesn't connect, you know, everybody's framing doesn't connect with every audience, right? So to, to be able to frame the message in a way that's meaningful to your ideal reader is, is a a powerful and wonderful gift.
0: It is. And by the reaction of people to the book, um, you know, being able to do it in the world of music is enjoyable and interesting to people and what was really cool for me that that maybe worked against me finishing the book was i was like no one can write this book but me that that no one was going to scoop it no one was gonna i was like i'm the only this is something i've uniquely done with the speaking and stuff i just have to finish it because no one's going to finish it before me (laughs) and it was really nice (laughs) you know to say i you know because you're right A lot of the things I talk about have been written about, and I've been inspired by it. Yeah. But being able to do it in the book, you know, and then honestly going back to the the woman, the writer last name Prose.
2: Oh yeah, uh, Francine Prose. Yeah. uh, uh,
0: Read like a writer. Another thing for me reading all those very successful business parables was like I was reading them, and I'm like, these aren't very good right <laughs> I, I i i looked at him i was like because because the, the the english right the english major snob came out and I'm like these right. are terrible the these, these
2: aren't some, even graham these, green right these are nowhere near graham green these uh, no, are no, these no. are pretty remedial writing skills they're really
0: in really, <laughs> the plot the plot devices and everything i was like oh my god and and i'm like I can do this way better, (laughs) but, but, but also really two is that I would would love if someone's out there wanting to, if they're writing and they feel intimidated by the, how do I get it published and stuff like that? There's so many avenues out there. There's so many people who are out there to help you, whether it's that first developmental edit you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, helping you and then publishers and self-publishing is just all out there. You just got to finish it. You know, that's just, that's the thing. And-
2: Actually. And that brings me to, cause that one of your, your first practice is creative collaboration. And we haven't mm-hmm. talked that much about that in terms of your book. How did that play a role for you in your book?
0: In writing the book, You know, writing the book it was it was me doing it by myself. So it was me Mm -hmm. talking about what works for me in business, what works for me in songwriting, surrounding myself with talented people. But it does connect to the actual writing of the book. I surround myself in a songwriting session with talented people, people who bring a skill set that I don't, and I and I check my ego. It's one of the things I talk about in the book. One of the characters says to Jake Stark, who's our protagonist. A guy named Shane Sawyer says, my ego is not my amigo. (laughs) And and so when I surround myself with talented people, when I check my ego, when I'm like, Hey, I'm good at this, but I need your help to get to where I want to be. When I, when I do that and I listen and I become teachable in a songwriting session in business, in my relationship with my wife and my kids, that's when life is great, successful, happy. And then with the book, You know, I was like, I need uh, I'm going to write this book, but I need a lot of help and I need to collaborate Mm -hmm. with different people and I need to listen to them because they've done this, you know, and and be teachable um, because no one, the only agenda, any of these people I'm talking to is to help me you know that's yeah. the only agenda they have and so i did i reached out i called friends you know with someone to read it the first time yeah. you know suggestions and mm-hmm. then a developmental edit the line edit and i learned all this crazy lexicon of right. uh, uh this this whole <laughs> new world of of words in the book publishing world just like right. i learned look i i did it I, I did a festival i started a festival in 20 I had the idea for a festival in 2013. We're about to have our ninth year. We've had everybody from Willie Nelson to Justin Timberlake to the Foo Fighters to the Killers. And I knew that I had a great idea, but I knew I needed to surround myself with talented people and seek them out and listen Mm -hmm. to their counsel. And so in writing the book, you know, collaboration, it's, you know, surrounding myself with talented people, checking my ego at the door being generous with, you know, credit and, um, and those things just continued to serve me well because, and I talk about this in the book, you know, doing everything on my own served me well up to a point, you know, then I hit a brick wall and I needed to work with other people to just, to continue to evolve. So collaboration is the bedrock of everything I do. And that's why it's the first thing I talk about in the book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really makes such a difference. Okay, I have a follow-up question, though, because one of the things I know from being an editor that, you know, a lot of times there might be something that the author has added that just doesn't fit the book. Mm-hmm. And the recommendation from the editor might be take it out. The author might have some emotional attachment to it. This is this was, I think, this concept, I think it goes back as far as Samuel Johnson uh, coining the term killing your darlings. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so did you have a, a moment where you had to k- kill uh, one of your darlings that you were particularly attached to? And if so, what was it?
0: <laughs> well, I'm used to that with songwriting. Right, yeah. All totally. the time. You have to get rid of a lyric idea. You know, your collaborators uh, let you know. They let you know with an idea you're trying to, to force in the songwriting session
1: mm-hmm. with something
0: we call the Nashville No. The Nashville oh. No is like, we're, like let's say we're we're in a songwriting session, Robin, and I keep saying a lyric, and you don't immediately go, oh, "That's awesome!" Yes, you just go, "Okay, now what are we doing?" You know, and you just just <laughs> <laughs> yes, ignore <it>. the Nashville <laughs> No. We, we silent. Let's just keep. And, and I've done it so many times, and, and it's and it stings. One time I, I did, I was, and and you get a, a good sense of the Nashville No um right, right. Go, okay, it's not floating but sometimes you we all have a blind spot you know and and I wasn't getting and I had this very famous songwriter one time turned to me it was a three-way session and he, and he just looked at me and went let it go <laughs> let it go he just said quietly I was like oh my god I'm being the right person I'm not catching the national no um so I'm used to I, letting Nashville an know. idea go that I think's great or or a song that I love not making the album that just I think it's great, no one else does. And there are very few people in the songwriting world that everything they do is great. Paul McCartney mm-hmm. or Prince whoever. Sure. You know, I'm yeah. sure there are writers that are just brilliant, but when I worked with an editor, I think if anything it was when the most work for me was when I got to the nuts and bolts of the in the way the book is set up, Jake Stark is asked to be part of this boutique publishing house that Sir Daniel Smith Daniels has started and in short order it's become the hottest publishing house in Nashville it has the hottest writers who all have these unique backgrounds and stories and and he has to he has to write with these different writers who are going to illustrate these different ideas so when i got to the point in those chapters when i'm talking about the 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 practices i tended to just have that one character who's teaching the principle just real instructional. Um, and then my editor oh, was like, yeah, yeah, don't, don't teach, you know, it needs to be a conversation. Right. It needs to be a believable conversation. I didn't want to spend the time to go back and do that, but I had to. And I was like, oh, you're right. right. It needs yeah. to be a conversation. It, you, you can't be preaching, you know? Yeah. And she was, yeah. you know, and so when, I looked, yeah. when we moved to, uh, to the, um, we went every, we did everything, we moved everything over. I, I realized that word is the de facto uh word processing program and I learned how to that all the different things word was capable of all the uh editing stuff you know Mm -hmm. and that was when I was seeing a lot in red and a lot needed to be fixed (laughs) um and so I did it you know um and
2: well I want to throw in there too because something that you do that also is really helpful is you have those teaching points at the end of the chapters where you describe the different aspects of the method and so and that is that more didactic style but it's really helpful to the reader to just be able to see it in in a nutshell
0: exactly at the end of those chapters where a practice of the five practices are discussed in you know, in a narrative like it's a it's a book i do the five rules of creative collaboration, the five rules of leaving your comfort zone, the five rules of filling the well. I really like that. I wanted to do a story, but also I'm a person who, if you're going to, if you're going to promise me some great secret or a, a tool to help me be happier, be more successful, I just put some handles on it. I want to just be able to see it because usually it's just like when you you're on the phone and it says, use these five ways to lose belly fat, you know, and then you click on it and you keep scrolling and you're realizing like, where is it? Where's the secret? Oh, it's want me to buy something. You know, I really want to, I just didn't want there to be any, I wanted it to be, Hey, here's this book and this narrative. But if you just want to flip to this page to learn the five ideas you can. And there was a book called the go-giver that did that. And I love that. I, I, and that's why I liked the book. Like, okay, here's the secret to this. And it was real. It wasn't BS. It was actually really actionable things to do. And so I wanted that the book to be that as well.
2: All right. So I know that your uh, your book hasn't been out very long as of this conversation, but do you see another book in your future sometime?
0: Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, I'm working on it. It's going to be a just pure fiction. And it is, there's several books, you know, they're always marinating, but this is the one that just just won't go away. And so I've I've already started writing it. And actually I go out on tour next week. It's a five week tour. It's uh, my band Better Than Ezra and the band Train. And we're going to be playing all over the place. Hopefully this comes out in time for people to come see the band. Uh, And I will be writing every morning, you know, doing that. Are you
2: going to Hartford or New York?
0: Oh, we're gonna be all up there. Yeah, we're gonna. We, we right. are, we're in Homer, New York.
2: Okay, um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna look you up. Maybe I'll. I'll be able to. We're come in. See you
0: guys. We're in Connecticut. Yeah, we're all over there. Okay. So look up. You know, yeah. Go to betterthenezra.com or train.com, right. and you'll see where we're playing. But um, so yes, I'm working on a new book. Uh, and look this this book has opened so many doors, and also dispelled that uh the mental leap you got to make that I can do this. You know, and I think of anything. My idea, my thought is that you know, just do it. Don't quit. Just continue, and you finish, and you put it out, and and you do the next one. And um, and that's really what's served me my whole career is just not quitting because there were always better, more talented songwriters, better musicians, better writers, smarter people, but they quit, <laughs> and I just <laughs> did not quit. You know, and, and that's, right, uh, that's yeah. at the end of the day, so many people you meet are just people who didn't quit, you know?
2: That is that is so true. Like you eliminate well over 90% of the competition if you just don't quit. Just don't quit.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. really validating and, and encouraging to me is like, you know, and it's that weird alchemy. Just with a hit song, there's these weird, you learn that, oh, so many things have to happen right, you know? And one of the biggest things is just don't quit you keep getting mm-hmm. your chant at bat over and over again as long as you don't completely suck there's there's a great <laughs> band. there's a great there's a great artist uh they're called a band called tenacious d and it's jack uh, yeah. black uh-huh. you know the actor jack black and a guy named kyle Gass yes. are both comedians they have this their their songs are so funny and they're a little dirty and it's just right. an acoustic dude they made a movie they have you know they're very well known tenacious d yeah and they have yes. a song called the cosmic joke and uh and it's like <laughs> and, and, and he's they're playing the song and he's and it's like in life man you just gotta go for it you can't quit you gotta keep thriving and and, and everybody will get it you gotta keep going but sometimes you suck <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, But sometimes you suck. <laughs> yeah,
2: but my that. thought,
0: you know, leave, leave it to those guys to, to, you know. But no, just don't quit. Right. You know, just keep going. You know, and, and look, a lot of times when you when you start, you do suck. But then exactly. you do. You write again and you write and write and write and write and it gets better. It's that 10,000 hours thing, you know? Yeah.
2: Um, And you, and you get a coach or you get an editor, you get somebody who doesn't suck to help you. uh,
0: You get better and and they see that talent. They see where you need to hone your craft. And um, and then you get to the point where when you've been doing it so long that you feel like a fraud because it's so easy, you know, you've (laughs) done it so much. And you don't realize that all those years of talent and being told no and falling on your face that I went through for so many years as a songwriter, you know, you're just building up that that acumen Mm -hmm. and that craft to where it does feel effortless, at least for me in songwriting. Um, The world of I'm always about new challenges. And this book was a was a monster of a new challenge.
2: Fantastic. All right, Kevin, I, I cannot believe how quickly our time has flown by here. So I'm going to toss you my signature final question.
0: Final question.
2: Which is, what did I not ask you that you would love to answer?
0: Hmm. What did you not ask me that I would love to answer? How to get the book? <laughs> How to get- no, so I, I, would say- yeah,
2: okay, I was Yeah, okay, because I was going to say, it's quite elusive. It's on Amazon, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, but I go think, to your independent bookstore, right?
0: <laughs> I think, um, you know what? Here's what you didn't ask me. Okay. Was there something missing? When you finished the book, was there something missing that you realized right. you'd left out? Oh, wonderful. Uh, and I finished the book. And a lot of the books i had i had been inspired by had just told the story in these business parables had just told the story of the protagonist and it was all about what they were going through in business and you know in life and i realized i had finished my book and i was like there's no it's missing heart it's missing an emotional an emotional connection and i had shied away from this the story originally was about jake stark he was 45 and he was single. Um ah, okay. and then I was like I finished the book cuz I just didn't feel like writing about a relationship. And the book right. I, some books I'd read didn't do it. They just dispatched with, you know that. And I finished mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, there's no heart here and why is this mm-hmm. guy 45 and he's never been he has no family. <laughs> do I, I you know, do I care about this guy? It's not me." So I so I went back and I put in the family and the relationship and, and, and I had to rewrite. I did not want to because it meant I had to work more and rewrite. And and that's when the book came back. Well, that's when the and then also that was the moment where it just opened up to me that that oh, wow, this doesn't just is this, it's it's not just about business and, and creativity. It's about life and happiness. Mm. And that's when the book got great. And when I put in his relationship with his wife and his son and how he sees these things that he's going through in his, in his career are helping these, this, this, this change he's going through is helping him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to look, get to the end and then check my ego and check my desire to be done with it and say, this right. needs, this is missing something still. And it need, it's missing mm-hmm. the, the emotional core. And, uh, I went back and did it.
2: That's, that was a great choice to do also, and I think it, it is so important for readers, especially readers of business books, to remember that even if you're a business person, you're still a person, and the other people in your life are deeply involved in whatever you're doing, even if they're not hands-on.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and that everything is connected. It, you know, and that, yes. that, that everything, how you conduct yourself in life and business creatively and Personally, they're all connected, you know. And if you're doing things right one way, you do, you know, if you if you endeavor to do things right one way, it it lends itself to the other thing. And and when you're doing it and being accountable and showing up and suiting up, life gets great.
2: Well, Kevin, thank you so much for connecting with us today on the Author's Corner.
0: Ah, thank you, Robin. Thank you, Author's Corner
2: been wonderful having you
0: yeah thank you robin this was awesome
1: thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the author's corner you're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years to access today's show notes and other helpful resources simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com a positive review would be appreciated Until next time.